I got a message last Monday. I knew I was going to have surgery on Tuesday. So I went ahead and prepared for today on Monday. Monday night or Tuesday night, I had a dream. I told Pastor Brian about my dream. Uh, maybe, maybe I had it Tuesday night because I told him about it either Wednesday or Thursday. I don't remember when I told him about it. I mentioned it to a couple of you. And uh, the dream really upset me. I got up about 2, 2.30 in the morning and I could not go back to bed. Uh, I had a dream about hell. I have never, in 44 and a half years that I've known the Lord, I've never dreamed about hell. Uh, I have a first cousin by marriage that was in a coma. He's been here a couple of times and spoken to us. He lives in Griffin, Georgia. He was in a coma for a number of weeks. And uh, while he was in that coma, he, he had an a, a, a experience with hell. And he actually heard the gates of hell open. And uh, he knew that if he didn't get right with Jesus, even when he was not conscious... That he was going to hell and he cried out to God and instantly his eyes opened and for the first time in like six weeks he was conscious and alert. He had surrendered his life to Jesus because of what he saw in hell. Let me tell you what I saw just to set the stage for you. It was a, a, like a big apartment building, big, huge building. And I could see down the floors were gone. They had burned out. And I could see a man in hell crying out for someone to help him. And I saw this guy pick up a board and, and he was trying to pull this guy out and ultimately it pulled him into hell. And, and of course I could hear the screaming, the wailing of teeth and the pain and agony. It, 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 it startled me. But before I could wake up, I had a, a, another part of that dream and from Niceville this way, Niceville had moved all the way to Lake Jackson in Florella, Alabama. Crestview and Laurel Hill was not even existent anymore. And it stirred me, and I, I talked to Pastor Brian about it, and we talked about believing God for a tenth, a tithe of the people that live north of the River Bridge, to believe God to send us a tenth. It, this property could house it, but it would take a lot more than what we have right now to do it. And I told Pastor Brian, God didn't give us eight acres for somebody to come out here and learn how to cut grass on every week. God gave us this land for a purpose, to house saints for the kingdom of God. I mentioned it to Brother Paul, and he went home and shared it with Sister Jan. And Sister Jan may have said to him, and, and I'm paraphrasing his words from her words, maybe God was showing you that those that live north of the River Bridge were raptured out of here. Maybe that's the reason they weren't here. They'd raptured. Well, that put a different light on what I'm going to preach to you. But I, I changed the title to my message for you this morning that the odds are in God's favor. God had given me a message about Gideon. All of you are probably familiar with the story of Gideon. And in chapter 6 of Judges, uh, it goes through the fact that Israel had sinned against God. 
the Midianites, Amalekites, and other groups were coming in, and every year at harvest time, the enemy's animals would come in and eat all the harvest. There was nothing left. And when you see Gideon in this picture, you see him by the wine press. He's trying to hide the, the, the barley that's been collected. And God begins to speak to Gideon. Well, you know the story of Gideon's fleeces. He puts out a fleece that if you want me to do something, God, you let dew fall on this rug. Nowhere else. The next morning he got up and of course there's dew on just that rug. And he said, well, God, I hope you don't get angry with me, but I'd like for you to do something else tonight if you'd let the dew fall on the ground, but not fall on the rug. And exactly what happened the next morning, he got up and dew's on the ground and not on the rug. So he knew that the angel of the Lord had come and spoken to him. And God said that Gideon could be as one man, an army for God. Well, when, when I started questioning what God was saying to me after Sister Jan's comments about maybe the church has been raptured out or maybe the north part of the county has been raptured out of here, I began to think about the odds that Gideon faced now, all of you are probably, at some point in time, you heard the story of Gideon. But God sent 32,000 men down to fight against the Amalekites and the Midianites and the other armies. They were all gathered in a valley together, all those armies. And God said to Gideon, you got too many here because if, if you go in now and you win this battle, Israel will say, look what we've done. I begin to think about this little small congregation that we have here that God is building. And I want to tell you, we have something very unique here. You may not really be aware of what we have. We have some very unique families that have become a part of this ministry. We've had people come. We've had people go. And, and we've got some people that need to come back. But God has put a nucleus of people here. If our mindset is right and we realize that the odds are in God's favor, He doesn't have to have 32,000 to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Well, the story goes that God tells Gideon to tell all of them that are fearful, afraid to go home. 22,000 of those troops packed their bags and leave. And God said to me, they left because they're weak, need, and feeble. They're afraid to fight a battle. Some of you have loved ones that are not saved this morning. And you know the battle you're fighting for them. You know, the, the prayer of a mother's heart is a very dear thing to God. And I, I've had, over these years, I've experienced a lot of mamas that's cried out for God to save their children and their grandchildren. But I want to tell you what the church has got to do today. We've got to have a made-up mind that God has called us. He, he has a purpose for our life. I, I, I told uh, several people, but I, I really was telling Sister Karen that Sister Edegene... Just, it really knocked a loop in me because I knew the time would come when we would have sickness and, and possibly death like ultimately we're going to have with her. God doesn't intervene. But, but it, it bothers me because I'm not, I never look forward to having a saint of God die even though I rejoice. But when they're part of our church family, it, it hurts my heart because they're a part of our family. I grieve just like you grieve. And, and I've already started the grieving process with this little sweet thing just smooches on me. She's the only woman outside of Karen that gets to smooch on me. And she doesn't care. She just smooches on me. And I eat it up big time. But I want to tell you this. Every one of you 
until God calls you home or a part of an army. And if you stay here with us, we have a mission. God, could, God didn't have to build another church in Crestview. We had churches. I was pastoring a church within a half mile of here when we resigned and started this work. God has a purpose in us being here. You know, God has had, I believe every person that's ever come through these doors had a purpose. It might have been a seasonal purpose. But I believe that God has placed us here for a reason. And I want to tell you, I've watched the enemy over these last few months and weeks. I've watched what he's done. I've watched the attacks that he's placed upon you and upon me. I, I really, honest to goodness, until a couple of years ago, I never had health issues. And bam, all of a sudden, it seemed like every part that I had was coming apart. And then, then God miraculously did some miracles for me. And three different major organs that they said I had problems with wound up being clear. And I give God praise for that because I know that God's not finished with the work that He started in me. I still have a vision. I still have a heart that's burdened for the lost. And, and I, for the life of, of, of my soul, I don't understand why we go through what we're going through, but we've gone through it and we're going through it and we're going to go through it. But we're going to come out knowing that the odds are in God's favor for us. 10,000 are told to go stand by the brook. And drink. And God said, those that, those that lap like a dog, you know, pay real close attention to them. Well, if they get down and they just bury their head and drinking and getting them something to drink because they're tired, they're wearied. But if you get a drink and you don't scoop it up in the hands and keep watch on the enemy, the whole time you're taking on nourishment, you're watching the enemy. And God said, there's 300 of them left that drink and watch. There's 300 of them left. I don't know when God has called you to battle. I don't know when. But I know you entered the arena this morning to fight. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care what sex you are. I don't care how, how famous you are. I don't care what ability you have. God has placed you here in this arena to fight this enemy that we're facing. And let me tell you something. I'll tell you what happens in fight. I, I promise you this is happening to some of us. When others don't stand and fight with us, we get discouraged. You see a lot of people that are not in church today, and it's not because they didn't love Jesus. They got discouraged, and they just stopped going to church. And they, and they got out of the, out of the habit of going to church and today they're sitting at home or they're doing what they like to do. They still will tell me, if I ask them, they'll still tell me I love Jesus. But they're not a part of the, uh, of the fighting army of God. They're fighting solo. And I want to tell you something that, that I've learned many, 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 many years ago. When the Bible said one would put a thousand to flight, two is ten thousand. There is power in unison when we're together. When those disciples got into that one set, one set place in one mind and one accord, the power of the Holy Ghost fell. If the church, even though we're in battle, will come together as, a, as an army of God, I'll tell you what you'll find out if you read the whole story. And I was going to read you part of it, but I'm already past that. But let me tell you what I want to tell you. I believe that when we come together to battle, the Bible said the battle is not ours. It belongs to the Lord. In Gideon's case, all Gideon did was pick up a trumpet. Every 
Every man, all 300 of them had a trumpet. He set them in three divisions. Gideon took one group. He had two other groups. There's 300 men went to battle with a trumpet and a picture. And they broke that picture and they blew that trumpet and they shouted about the God and uh, of the, the, the army of, the, of God and of Gideon. That's what they shouted out. And the enemy took and ran and they slew every one of those Midianites. They killed every one of them, folk. And they brought back the heads of the leaders for Gideon. I'm reminded of David when he took the head of Goliath and, he, and the odds were against him. Almost everywhere you look in the Bible, the odds are against Daniel's in a lion's den. The odds are against him in favor of the lion. But when you put God into the factor, the odds are in God's favor. And if one would put a thousand to flight in two is 10,000. There's strength in us being together in this battle we're facing. I want to give you a couple of what I wrote down because I, I, I believe God gave me something to speak to you besides just my heart this morning. But I want to read you a couple of things that, that God gave me. You know, um, when you look at the Old Testament saints, uh, they tore down the altars of Baal. And one of the things that I learned about Gideon that's so important is that when Gideon went and he was told by God to tear down the altars of Baal and he tore those altars down, the men of the city found out that Gideon had, had done it and, and they wanted to kill him. And they went over to his dad's house and said, send Gideon out, we're going to kill him. And his dad said, look, if your little wimpy God, Baal, couldn't, couldn't stand up and do his job, why are you following Baal? You don't, need to be, you don't need to be mad at my son, you need to be mad at yourself because your God failed. I want to tell you what I found about the enemy. He always fails, but he always puts up a fight. So he's come to your door just like they came to Gideon's door. And here's what I want you to begin to do. And, and, and listen, some of you are not going to do it because you're afraid of the enemy. That's where the fearful go home. But when you stand up and look the devil in the eyes and you say, devil, your God is not as big as my God. You remember when Elijah standing on on the mountain, and he calls down fire from heaven. All the prophets of Baal are there. Others are there. They've called out every big gun they could get there. And their God failed. He always fails when he attacks against the children of God. We are always overcomers. We're always victorious in our life. So when you see the armies of Baal fall by the wayside, because they worshiped a God that really didn't have the power that your God has, the odds are in your God's favor. I watched these, these Old Testament saints of God, and, and here's where my original thought was. They fought to keep the image of God in. They didn't let the image of God just subside and go away. And the Bible said that they subdued kingdoms, they wrought righteousness, they obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions, they quenched the violence of fire, they escaped the edge of the sword out of the weakness, they were made strong, waxed valiant in, flight, in fight, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Now that's found in Hebrews chapter 11. The things that God wants to do in our life is to take things that have been taken from us back from the enemy. We need to take back what's been stolen from us. But listen, some of us have, have, are to the point where it doesn't matter anymore what's stolen. We have nothing left. We, we've been watching a lot of, of stuff on television about this Hurricane Michael that came through. 
Uh, there are people that have zero. They have nothing. I, I was talking to a guy, I said he was over in Grand Ridge in kind of a poverty-stricken era. He said, people are standing out by their shacks. They don't have a shack anymore, but they don't know what to do. They don't have a job. They don't have any income. They don't know where to go. So they go down to a local spot to get their meal every day. They're still feeding people over there because they have nothing. Listen, when you have nothing in your life, there's only one way and that's up, folk. When you take everything away from you, when the devil robs you and pilfers and rapes you and molests and takes from you, God wants to give back. Job lost everything and God multiplied more than Job had originally and God wants to do that in your life. Amen. Amen. People in my office, we've been on the phone with the Social Security Administration, the, the top guy in Alabama over anybody that's 65 or older. We've been on the phone with him this week getting advice for a family of ours. We're trying to help people in their finances. But I said to that individual, you need to be tithing. You need to be getting God. You need to put God to the test. God doesn't mind you testing Him. When the enemy comes against you, test God and see if God's not real in your life. Some of us are afraid. We're afraid of what the enemy might do. What has he already done? Hadn't he done enough to you? Isn't it time to say enough? Isn't it time to do what Gideon did? He said, this is enough. We're tired. We're tired of being pilfered. We're tired of being molested. We're tired of being taken advantage of. We're going to take back what rightfully belongs to God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know some of you are hurting this morning. And I hurt with you. I'm sorry you're going through what you're going through. But I'll tell you every battle that you face will make you stronger. Pastor Ben prayed about those scars that we have this morning in his prayer. And I don't know how many of you heard that prayer. But he prayed about those scars that we have. That scar is an experience that we have where we can help other people. When you're going through these places in your life, it'll give you a, a, a softer heart for other people that are facing the same thing you're facing. I'll tell you, we're under an attack. We had a call yesterday here at the church and, and the lady on the phone with a gruff voice asked me uh, if, if we would accept gay and lesbians, would we accept her and her married wife? And, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't return her call this morning. She called back and called me here about 8 o'clock this morning and I answered the phone and she asked me that question, if we would be acceptable to her. And I said, listen, we love everybody. We don't, we don't shun anybody. We love everybody. But here's what you need to know. If you come and my desire is to preach the Word of God and the Word of God tells me that what you're doing is wrong, I'm going to preach against it. I don't care. If you can tolerate that, come on. You know, everything that, if you sin, I'm going to preach against sin. And I believe that's a sin. I believe it's a sin. We'll love you in spite of your sin. We're going to love you. We're going to, we're going to embrace you. We're going to encourage you. But we're never going to compromise this Word of God. We're going to stand. We're going to say, this is what God said. This is what God wants to do. Listen, hell may be taken over the North Hill County, but God may be allowed to rapture this in. And whatever He's doing, if it's hell or if it's heaven, we got a job to do. And we don't have time to sit around and worry about all the problems of life. There's an enemy that's been coming in the camp. And, I, and our kids are hungry. Our kids are dying. 
Our grandchildren are hurting this morning because we've allowed the enemy to come in and just take over our lives. And God said it's time to say enough of this. Too many of us are weak-kneed. We're powerless. We're easily victimized. We're manipulated. And we're humiliated by Satan. And we're to become victorious warriors for God, not allowing Satan to destroy the image that God has put in us. I never want to have anybody say, he used to pastor. I don't want anybody to ever say, he used to be a Christian. I heard a guy this morning, I, I'll tell you, I want to argue with everybody in their doctrine sometimes, but I heard a guy on the radio this morning, and the guy said, you know, when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, there's not any sins going to be there because they were all taken care of at Calvary because it's all finished. He said, whatever you do after you're saved is still under the blood of Jesus. And I thought, buddy boy, you, you better reread something. I'm still accountable for what I do today. God's not overlooking my sin. Don't you ever think that. And when the Bible tells us that we ought to have things in our life and we ought to have things that are not, we ought not have things in our life, we need to heed what the Word of God says, not decide to do what we want to do. I was, I was uh, taken back this week. You know, Israel hid in caves. They went and hid. When the enemy would come in the camp and the harvest was, was ripe, they would leave the fields of harvest and they'd run and hide in caves because they were afraid. They were fearful. I shared with you about this, this truth that somebody shared to me that had been to Israel about the valley of the shadow of death. The valley was down, you know, down taking the sheep down to pasture and they went through a valley called the valley of the shadow of death and there were places in there where the enemy would hide. You know, if you haven't went and hid in a, in a cave, the enemy's hid in that cave waiting on you to come by. And he's wanting to take advantage of you. He's wanting to destroy you. But I want to tell you something. If you come by the cave where I'm at, I'm not going to be hiding inside that cave. I'm not going to be hiding inside that cave. I, I'll tell you, we have a, we have a safety detail. We don't, we don't call them security anymore. Every now and then I mess up, but we call them safety we have a safety squad here this, to protect us. And we're going to have a meeting and these, these gentlemen and ladies are going to be informed if somebody comes in this building they pull out a gun, you kill them. You kill them. We're not going to let them come in here and take advantage of us and kill innocent people. I can tell you that. If they let Pastor get back up on that platform, he's going to be bang-banging with them. I can tell you that. He better shoot me real good because if he doesn't, I'm going to take advantage of, of, of the advantage that's been given me by God. And I'm not going to let you be hurt. And we're not going to stand idle at these doors and let people come in here and hurt us. The enemy may attack you at home and get away with it. But when you come through these doors, we got people to guard you, to take care of you, to see about you, and to care for you. If you have a heart attack, we got people to handle that. If you're, if you're sick and you're discouraged, we got a place and people to handle that. If, if you, somebody pulls a gun in here, we can handle that. We can take care of it. I promise you, we can take care of you. And we want you to feel safe when you're here. But when you leave here, we want you to know that God has not left you. He's a very present help in your time of trouble. And, and the thing that's burdening your heart today, the thing that's tying you down, the thing that's keeping you powerless and, and weak-kneed and feeble and manipulated and, and victimized is because you've not realized who's on your side. The odds are in God's favor this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, sir... 
I got four things. And if you'll give me just a minute, I won't delay. I won't prolong what I want to say to you. I got it, and I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it very quickly. I want you to hear. I got four things that we have to do. You have to get tired of being held down by the devil. I have a, a, a great memory of my past when I was a boy. My brother Jimmy was a kind, gentle person. I often tell you about how mean he was. He really wasn't mean. My brother Greg, on the other hand, was a tyrant. He'd rather fight than he had to eat, and you could look at him until he liked to eat a lot. He liked to fight. And he was bigger than I was, and he would take me down, and he would take me by the ears. They were already big enough. He'd take me by the ears, and he'd pull on my ears like this. And I learned one day that he had a nose. And he had me down on the couch, and I found that nose with my fist. I was tired of being held down. And I punched him in the nose. Now, here's what I want to tell you about the enemy. Same way with Greg. When he saw the blood on my shirt, he went nuts. He got me down in the floor, and he beat my head against the concrete floor. My head was spongy for days. He beat my brain against the floor. But see, the favor, the, the favor was with, with Donnie because Mama got involved. And Mama had a broom handle. And Mama beat Greg off with a broom, broom handle and then protected me from Greg. If you get tired of being held down and you'll fight, I don't care if the enemy fights you back. God is bigger than your enemy. God is bigger than anything you're facing. And you've got to, you've got to get that in your spirit. You've got to hold on to that. So you've got, to, you've got to get to the point that you're tired of being held down by the enemy. The second thing that, that I believe that God showed me, and I've got a long list there in that first one. The second thing that God showed me is you have to learn to deal with your fears and your unbeliefs. I don't know, I, I don't know about you, when I got saved, I had, a, I had a great relationship with Jesus. And anything I desired, I'd just say it and Jesus would give it to me. I mean, I was a spoiled Christian brat. But God just favored me. And then one day, God quit favoring me so much. He kept answering my prayers, but He didn't give me what I always thought I needed. Now, some of you are already confused because... You, you've forgotten that you've asked for patience and you've gotten tribulation. All God has done is fulfilled His Word because He tells us that that's the way we get patience is through tribulation. So a lot of my prayer life had to learn to trust God and have faith. It wasn't just on the fact that God was my sugar daddy and just gave me everything I wanted. I had to learn to trust God. Some of you are in that, in that state right now. You're still learning to trust God, no matter the situation. doesn't matter what the horizon looks like. doesn't matter how deep the waves go. doesn't matter how hot the fire gets. God's still in the business. He's still with you. The odds are still in God's favor. And you've got to learn to walk in blind trust sometimes. I had a man ask me, he said, how do you know that all those people that wrote that Bible knew what they were writing about? He said, I don't believe everything like that. 
And I said, well, do you believe in the Civil War? Well, yes, we got people that wrote down stuff about it. And I said, well, you believe in the Civil War, buddy, you ought to believe that that Bible is real. There's not one word in that Bible that contradicts what the other word says. It always complements what God has said from that old to that new. It always does the same. So, so my point to him was you, you have to learn to trust God. You, you can't just say, well, I trust you, Jesus. Because you'll be put to the test and then you'll find out that perhaps you don't trust Him as much as you want as you want to say you do. But we have to learn to, to trust God. We have to learn to hold on in faith. When things get dark, when things get rough, we don't abandon ship. We don't walk and, and, and just hand up our hands in defeat. We fight until we know for a fact that God is there and He's able to do abundantly above all we can ask or think because of the power of God that lives inside of us, church. That's who we are. So we know and we have to learn to deal with those fears and that unbelief. I believe the chief of all sins that we have is unbelief. The third thing that I noticed about our fight with the devil is you have to pull down all those besetting sins. You have to lay them aside. I believe the church still has a, a great uh, amount of sin in it. And it ought not have. I, I know that some of us look at... at you know, different things that people do, and we call that sin. I'll tell you, the worst, the worst sin that I've ever seen is a judgmental spirit, a self-righteous spirit that says, you know, I will never, ever. I, I tell people, don't ever say you will never. Don't ever, don't ever point your finger at somebody else and what they've done without realizing that you're a candidate for the same thing. You know, we, we walk, in a, we walk in a, into a vacuum sometimes and we get caught in traps. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cautious about, about counseling. I try, not to, I try to make sure somebody's here when I'm counseling. A lot of times, I've, earlier days, I try to have Sister Karen here. She started teaching school. I can't always have her here. So a lot of times I have to tell females, I can't counsel with you today. You'll have to come when I have someone here. I've had people come and catch me here by myself. And I tell you, I paraded myself out of that building, out under this portico with them. So if somebody drove up, we're not in my office. I don't want to give the devil an opportunity because I know that I'm a human being and I could fall just like anybody else. Don't ever... I got up this morning, slid these pants on just like you put yours on if you wore pants this morning. I put my shirt on the same way you put yours on. I buttoned it up the same way you... I'm not any more righteous than you are. But I've noticed in my own life, it's, I have a tendency to desire the things of the flesh and their sin. I have a tendency to want to please me and not to please God. It's sin. You, you know, to him to know to do right and doeth it not, the Bible said to him it's sin. If God's dealing with you about something in your life, you need to stop what He's dealing with you about and, and say, God, I want to put my trust in you. I need your help. I need your strength to walk through. Maybe you need to come along somebody and say, hey, I need help. I'm struggling with something. Will you help me? Make sure the person that you do that with is as stronger than you are, not weaker than you. Right. And pull you aside. That's right. How many people have gotten off of bar stools and came to an altar and went back and got on a bar stool? How many people have walked away from prostitution and came to an altar and walked right back into prostitution? It's because it draws you. Drug addiction is the same way. Any addiction is that way. But I found out in my own life there are things that God's not pleased with. And for Him to build an army, for Him to send us out to that valley and fight with this enemy, we're going to have to be strong. And God's sending home some because they're not strong. 
So when Paul writes it, he said, lay aside that sin that does so easily beset you. That thing that God's dealing with you about, lay it aside. That tells me that, that I have a, a way of doing that. It, in Israel's case, they had to pull down the altars of Baal. They had something there in the city that they were allowing. Some sin was there. It was pulling and drawing others in and, and it was luring those away from, from trusting God. They just let sin run rampant in the camp. They just began to do everything against God. They forgot, but they began to cry out to God and God heard their cry and the odds were in God's favor. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I want to give you one more thing. I promised I'd be short with this. You've got to learn to stand against the devil. And the only way you can do that is with God's help. Right. Pastor Brian was telling me about a guy that he knew that was really tough in school. Called him a few weeks ago and said, my grandson has got a devil visiting him at night in his room. And this guy was a bad guy. He was going to go over there and wait on that devil and whip him. Pastor Brian said he tried to tell him, you can't whip that devil. You can't fight it like you're trying to fight it. We're not fighting. You may, be, you may be in a fight with flesh and blood, but that's not what God's interested in. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers and rulers. We're, we're dealing with folks in dark places, church. I'm telling you, I, I, know, I know the power of the enemy. When I had uh, the, the, the word that came to me, they're practicing black magic and white magic. Against you. you had no idea what they were talking about. I'm preaching away one Sunday morning, got a microphone in my hand, and I'm standing behind an altar. And if you saw the video, I'm preaching away, and all of a sudden, I'm on the floor. I'm down on the floor. I kept preaching. I never, never stopped preaching. I got right back up and kept preaching. There was a guy there from Atlanta, Georgia, told his sister that he had an out-of-body experience and knocked the pastor down. Whoa. But it didn't keep him down because God's on my side. You cannot lose track of where you are and what you're doing and let the enemy get you to the side and get you off on something else and lose your, your thoughts and your concentration on the things of God. You've got to keep your mind focused on Jesus. The reason the devil wins so many battles against us is because we lose our focus. You've had dozens of times somebody's told you you've got to keep your eyes on the Lord. Remember when Peter, we all used Peter? Remember when he got up in that boat? walked across that water. He was walking on water until he quit looking at Jesus. He looked down at his circumstances. He looked down at the, the water that he was walking on and he began to sink. Now Jesus saved him. He didn't let him drown. Jesus is not going to let you drown just because you took your eyes off of him. But you're sinking. You're going further and further away. All you have to do is cry out to God. God, help my unbelief. Jesus, help me in this battle that I'm in. I need you today, Jesus, to fight for me and to fight with me. I'll tell you what you'll find out if you'll do that. The battle doesn't belong to you at all. You see, God has an answer. God is the answer for your dilemma. Whatever you're facing today, God's the answer. And, and we've got a community around us that's either going to It's a revelation. They're going to hell or they're going to heaven. And, and, and you know, I saw a guy on Facebook arguing with somebody about, uh, you know, there's no such place as heaven and hell. Where did you miss out? What, what part of the scriptures did you not understand? You know, you're just arguing for the sake of arguing. If you tell me that there's not a hell, not a heaven, you're not going to win the argument, but you're just arguing. Might as well argue with yourself. Y'all say amen. amen. God told Gideon, he said he would smite the Midianites as one man. 
Gideon, you will smite the Midianites. Midianites is one man. I wonder, I wonder sometime if we realize the power of God. You see, the men of the city wanted to know who tore that altar down. Who, who did all this to us? But you have to learn to stand upon God's Word. When God tells you to do something, you just have to do it. I know we've made some decisions here that have, have hurt some of you deeply. I understand that. But I want you to understand that when God says for us to do something, we have to do what God says to us. You know, we walked away from situations. We let things go on that should have never gone on. I should have called it down to start with, but I didn't do that because I love you and I love individuals. We had some things going on on this platform and when Pastor Ben took over, I said, everybody on the platform. And I know that hurts some people. I know that hurts some of you that don't even get on the platform. You didn't understand why all that went on. I know that. But I know what God spoke to us. I know what God spoke to us. Now, if you want to be a part of an army, this is a place to be. If you're a wimp, not a warrior, there are other places to be. I'm just telling you. There's too many important things and there's too many attacks. If you knew the things that Pastor Brian and I have come through our ears every week, it would amaze you at what our church family is going through. You'd be startled. We can't always come to you and tell you things that are happening in our church family. It would shock some of you if you knew the hurt that some of our families are feeling and the pains they're going through and the attacks of the enemy that's coming against them. But we're standing, we're fighting. We're not going to throw in the towel. We're not going to quit because somebody else quit. We're not going to quit because somebody got discouraged. We're going to keep on encouraging you. We're going to keep on preaching this truth to you. We're going to keep on walking this truth before you. And listen, I just declare to you that we have a job that's too big a job to sit around and, and, and listen to wimps and, and, and whispers. You know, let's stand up. Let's be children of God. Let's fight together. We're a family. You know, you don't disown family just because you have disagreements. I, that boy beat me, beat me in the floor and busted my head and tried to kill me several times. You know, I won't tell you about the times I tried to kill him, but, you know, when he died, he and I were tight. I mean, it broke my heart. I ended up loving that cat, you know, even in spite of him beating me when we were kids. I ended up loving him. He's my brother. And if I ever needed, if I ever got in a fight, I knew I had brothers that would stand me and fight. I want that. I know that some of you will fight. You've been there with me when we had to fight together. I believe that. But I've been in the battle, folk. When I turn around looking, there's nobody there. There's nobody standing there to help me. And I have to depend on God. And I know that when God is on my side, the favor of God, God's favor is always going to win. And the odds are always in His favor, no matter if I'm walking by myself. I want you to stand on your feet. I'll come back to this another time. I got some stuff in here that didn't pertain to my dream that I want to share with you. We're in a battle. And we're going to win this battle. The Bible says that Israel, in the latter days of tribulation, will be overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. I believe the blood of Jesus covers everything in our life. And I believe our testimony needs to be strong that God is faithful. God is faithful. I saw my picture 
when I was having surgery, just before I went into surgery, I saw my picture on Facebook. And my wife took that picture. If it hadn't already gotten on Facebook, I'd have cleaned it off her phone. <laughs> the world doesn't know how, doesn't know, need to know how I look when I'm disadvantaged. The world doesn't need to know how I look anyway. <laughs> it never has been. A very good possibility it never will be pretty. But I want to tell you something. I'm not proud of the fact that I've had an enemy attack my eyes. I'm not proud of that. But I am proud of the fact that I'm trusting God through everything I'm facing with my eyes. You're, you're still showing double. That doesn't mean, I, it just means I, got, I lost a wife for a little while and I got her back, but I got that extra one with her. So I am seeing some double. But I'm going to overcome this thing. I'm going to overcome it by the blood of the Lamb, word of my testimony. I don't know what you're facing. You're probably facing a lot worse things than what I'm facing with my eyes. But I want you to know that God is faithful. He's not forgotten you. He's not forsaken you. He's not walked away from you. If you're in a battle right now, God's in the middle of that battle with you. And listen, if you don't get anything else out of this, remember the, the odds are always in God's favor. Always. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the victory you're going to give us today. Before we leave this room, I give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. While your head's bowed, your eyes are closed. And I mean from my heart, nobody moving, nobody looking. How many of you right now, even if I know you're facing stuff, how many of you right now are facing a real battle? I want to see your hand. Yeah, a lot of you I don't know about your battles. A lot of you, dozens of hands raised in here. How many of you will trust Jesus with that battle right now? I want to see your hand. I hope everybody that raised their hands raised it up again. I want you to slip out. If you need to push out by somebody, everybody kind of walk back towards your chair. There'll be plenty of room in front of you for them to walk by. Just back up a little bit and let them walk. Y'all come right now. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. Got more movement. Come on. Gather, mended and whole. Give them everyone a prayer call. Empty. But not forsaken. Brother Paul's gonna bring each one of you a prayer call. You say, Pastor, already have ten, you're gonna have eleven. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved my weakness.